Welcome to Quick Hits, the only podcast that gets you smartenized. Today's episode, Lost Opportunities. Economists frequently use the phrase opportunity cost. It's not something that you or I use in our day-to-day conversation, but it is something that we think about every time that we buy something. Opportunity cost simply says that money spent on one thing is money that can't be spent on something else. So you take advantage of one opportunity and you lose the other opportunity. That's your opportunity cost. So if you have $10 and you spend it on a month's subscription to Netflix, that's $10 that you can't use to have lunch with Bob. Now, if you don't know Bob, you should meet Bob. Bob's a nice guy. But you have to make that decision. Do I spend my $10 on Netflix? Or do I spend it on lunch with Bob? Of course, if you don't get that $10 in the first place. If you earn $10, but it gets taxed away, well, that's money that you can't spend on Netflix or lunch with Bob or anything else for that matter. Opportunity cost changes depending on your income and how many $10 bills you have. If someone is taking home 80 bucks a day, $10 is... is pretty dear. And they have to be very careful about where they spend it. They may not be able to even afford Netflix or lunch with Bob. They may have to use it on groceries or rent. If someone's bringing home $200 a day, well, each day they have $20, $10 bills. And so lunch with Bob and Netflix both may be a possibility. And if someone is bringing home $1,000 a day, they've got enough $10 bills that they can be a bit more careless with them and spend them without nearly as much thought to opportunity cost. I know when my kids went to college, they were somewhat disgusted by wealthy kids who went to the same school with them who treated their laptop and their property with no concern at all. You know, I left my laptop behind. Mom will send me a new one. Whereas, because we weren't wealthy, their laptops were valuable to them, were precious to them because they wouldn't be easily replaced. The U.S. government spends close to $7 million a minute. So $10 doesn't mean anything to them. In fact, all the taxes that you pay for your entire life don't even make up a fraction of a percent of the waste that they have. Things that they buy and never use that rust in a warehouse or that just get lost somewhere in the accounting. It's nothing to them. So... They don't care about an opportunity cost. Well, we can just raise taxes and print money. Either way, 
that's not something that they seem to be too awful concerned with. So what exactly is the opportunity cost that the government costs us as individuals? If you sit down and try and figure out all the different things that you pay taxes for, and the hidden taxes, and the fees, and the licenses, and all that other nonsense, and you can even throw things like traffic tickets for bullshit offenses and things like that, and they're all really taxes, and then calculate, too, how much extra you pay for things that you buy because of needless and useless rules and regulations, most of us middle-class folks are paying about 40% of what we earn to the government. But what does that really mean? What opportunities have they taken away from us? Let's look at just one little one. A relatively small tax, if you're working for an employer, your Social Security is 6.2%. Now, your employer pays the same amount, which you don't see. And in discussions like this, people will say, well, your employer could pay you that much more. Well, maybe not. Let's just count what they've taken from you. I made a spreadsheet. First, I went out and I found what all the tax rates were, all the Social Security tax rates were, because they've changed over my lifetime. It was actually kind of surprisingly hard to find exactly what it was in these different years. But like when I started working, it was uh, four point some percent. I don't have the spreadsheet in front of me, but it's like 4.2%. And then it gradually went up, you know, half a percent here, half a percent there, until it reached the current 6.2, which it's been at for quite a while. And I put all those down one column, right next to my age. And then I put in approximately what I earned each of those years. And it was kind of a guess. The number that I'm going to be getting to here uh, could be off by a fair amount in one direction or the other. But put down the amount that I've been earning and how much was taken out at that percentage for Social Security tax. And then I figured out how much that accumulated to, you know, each year as we add to that. And then figured how much I would have earned if it had just been in an S&P 500 mutual fund. Nothing fancy, just a plain old S&P 500. Now, I didn't try and do all the ups and downs of the stock market and all that. I just wanted to kind of get a general idea. And on average, over time, the S&P 500 returns about 10%. A little bit under that, but then when you add in quarterly compounding, that bumps it up a bit to like 10.3% from the compounding. So I calculated out what I would have in the bank now if I had been saving in a standard S&P 500 account. And it's kind of scary. And I just counted my contribution, the 4 to 6%, and I'm sitting here at age 61 looking at a rather bleak retirement because what Social Security pays for all that investment is ridiculous. It's sub-poverty wages. And I would have, right now, 
$1.2 million in the bank. Now, just to put that in perspective, I've always been middle class, middle middle class, or maybe even lower middle class. I've never earned a six-figure income. In fact, each year when they say, this is the median uh, income of the middle class, uh, yeah, that's about what we earn between my wife and I. I'd have 1.2 million. She would have more because she's typically earned a bit more than I have. We would be multimillionaires. We would be able to take out $200,000 a year without touching the principal and live in a pretty good life. All our bills paid, traveling around, pretty much doing whatever we want, not having to work. Instead, we're looking at our the 401ks that we have, which are fairly meager. I mean, at least we have something. A lot of people don't even have any 401ks, but what we've got is, is uh, uh, what's the word? Uh, pathetic. And combining that with what we can get from Social Security, uh, man, it's, 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 it's going to be tough. Old age is going to suck financially. They took from me $1.2 million. That's the opportunity cost of the money that they took from me just for Social Security. Not for anything else. Not for any other taxes. They took over a million dollars from me and a million dollars from my wife and a million dollars from you. I mean, even if you've earned minimum wage your whole life, you'd still be able to retire with hundreds of thousands of dollars in the bank. And by the way, money that you earn that way is actually your money. You have it. So if you die early, you can leave it to your heirs. And it's not something that, you know, the president or Congress can make a vote on and suddenly you get less money coming in. So think about that, folks. When people tell you, well, the government doesn't cost that much considering all the wonderful services we get, is it worth a million dollars? Is it worth a comfortable retirement? Because that's what it's cost you and me and everybody else. And if that doesn't piss you off, I don't know what will. And that's it for the Quick Hits Podcast. If you've learned a little something, if you've changed your mind, or even if you can just understand a different point of view without necessarily agreeing with it, congratulations. You've been smartenized. Lots of folks wanting to know when the next podcast was coming out. I was getting emails, people uh, paging me on Facebook and checking the Quick Hits Facebook page multiple times. Yeah, you know how it goes. I get around to it when I get around to it. It's, well, I've always got something else going on. This seems a little more interesting or a little more compelling at the moment. I like doing this, but I'm easily distracted. 
One of my latest distractions is, believe it or not, selling novelty coffee mugs. And I'm selling them on Amazon. I'm selling them through uh, Gearbubble. And the way that you find them is on Facebook. You go to Punchy Products. I don't have a website up. I don't know if I will put one up or not. I did buy the domain name. But uh, Punchy Products is mostly mugs with a bit of snark. Just the right amount of snark. And they cover a lot of different subjects. Some of them are just, you know, expressions like, um, I've been told I'm condescending. Uh, that means I talk down to people. And I won't make any premise that it's all original stuff. It's things that I like that I thought was clever. Groucho Marx quotes, all kinds of different things. There's some for cigar smokers, of course. I smoke instead of punching people. Is one of my favorites and is the one that inspired the name. That's Punchy Products on Facebook. Got a lot of things on there for Firefly. If you're a Firefly fan or a Josh Whedon fan, there's stuff on there for that. There's some Donald Trump mugs, both pro and anti. Now, you guys know that I am definitely anti-Trump, but I do have a I Heart Trump out there because huh, I'm a capitalist and if somebody wants to buy it, I will be happy to sell it to them so check out punchy products tell your friends about this podcast and let me know what you think dave at davehit.com that's with two t's that'll get you through and until then the only thing that i have to say is never forget that the quick hits podcast is little more than a journal of one man's opinion and therefore should not be taken too seriously.